Hi, welcome to Medical Musings with Sam. This is a podcast for anyone whose lives are affected by chronic illness and are looking for hope in what can feel like a really hopeless situation. I'm a blogger, a writer and founder of the online support group Medical Musings with Friends. I'm also the author of My Medical Musings, a story of love, laughter, faith and hope living with a rare disease. Before becoming chronically ill, I was an executive manager with a passion for change management, coaching and developing my team. Medical Musings with Sam is a podcast all about connecting with others who are trying to live well with chronic illness in the midst of difficult challenges and hurdles. Come on a journey with me and together we can share our experiences of living a life of purpose, faith and hope despite our diseases. Hi everyone, welcome back to Medical Musings with Sam. It's been two months, literally a couple of days time, it will be exactly two months since I last um, published a podcast episode and as those of you who have been following my podcast and my blog will know, that is because I have just had major surgery. Um, I'm doing okay, I'm six weeks tomorrow post surgery and so far everything is on track I've had some hiccups along the way and I'll tell you a bit about my experience thus far Um, because as with everything that happens in my health life it's been a bit of an adventure however I'm home and there is nothing like being at home when you've been in hospital that feeling that you get is just amazing and I was only in hospital for 10 days this time, which was a bit of a reprieve for me. Um, my specialist would have liked me to have been in for a little bit longer. It's, I'm a bit like, it's a bit like having a car service when I go into hospital. You know, you wheel your car in and the mechanics come in and they check everything over. Well, that happens to me. My entire team of specialists seem to launch on me and check out every single thing that could possibly be going on or going wrong all at the same time. And I, I feel like I'm... Um, you know, almost ready to be able to go home by one specialist and then another specialist wants to do something and then another specialist wants to do something. And I, you know, I'm so grateful for the care and and, um, so grateful that they're keeping a close eye on things for me. But it does tend to extend stays and can get a little complicated. But anyway, so as I said, there's nothing like coming home after a long hospital stay and especially where there were multiple concerns about your health or, um, or you were having major surgery. You know, it's just that lovely feeling of, okay, I've got past that bit I'm now home it's now time to recover in my case I'm usually only ever allowed home if I have a a really good home care plan in place and that usually involves having nurses visit on a regular basis um, or carers um, etc until I'm ready to go back to my normal level of care so this time it was daily nursing um, for two weeks and um, I had a beautiful um, nurse that visits me once a week anyway and he came every day to to care for me and to keep an eye on my wounds and um, we had a few issues so um, needed antibiotics and had a few I guess concerns about whether things were going to go okay I did have an infection of a bit of cellulitis in my abdomen um, as well in hospital so that delayed my coming home and needing IV antibiotics etc etc so you know how it goes with me <laughs> but um I'm here, I survived, so that's good. So the surgery, for those of you who um, perhaps are just listening for the first time, um, my whole story is rather complex, so you 
I would encourage you to go down to perhaps one of my first couple of episodes that tells my story. But in this particular case, I needed to have a, um, a really large prolapse uh, in, repaired. So basically what happened was my small intestine had prolapsed through my abdominal wall next to my existing stoma, which is on my left-hand side. Um, so I basically had a what I call a two-for-one offer in terms of surgery. So I was I had to have a laparotomy, so um, open surgery, um, and my stoma was recited from the left side to the right side of my abdomen. So I had to say goodbye to my stoma that I loved and knew for 10 years and introduced a new one into my life, which I must say looks identical to the old one and is working really, really well, so no problems there. Um, but what happened um yeah as i said the left hand side had to be all sort of pushed back together again and um yes put in place so it was pretty it is has been pretty massive surgery um but i'm i'm doing well and i'm very very grateful not to have half of my abdomen pretty much almost sitting on my knee because that's what was happening it was awful um so i look normal again so that's nice but on top of that obviously i don't have the seriousness of um them expecting my um, a small bowel to be uh, strangulated at any minute and that was what we were facing so uh, it had to be done and I'm really relieved that it has been done so that was really good. So my hospital stay, I would like to say that my hospital stay was uneventful but as my health becomes more complex over the years so honestly has each consecutive hospital admission I almost used to enjoy going to hospital. It, it kind of was, and particularly when I was working, it was almost like a bit of a break. Um, I just, um, yeah, I just, I nothing was overly complex. You know, yes, I had issues and obviously my health was starting to decline, but I didn't realise how much. And so it was a procedure or it was a small surgery or it was, you know, some kind of lurgy that I got that I needed to, to get over. So it was that kind of thing. Um yeah, so just excuse me, I need a sip of coffee, so I'm going to do that, sorry. Okay, so, yeah, so as I said, when I first became a frequent flyer hospital patient, which is what I call it, life was relatively simple, but, you know, I took one or two pills, that was about all I was on, I was generally mobile, and I really healed quite quickly, and most of my stays in hospital were only about two days, but... Fast forward to today, and that picture, honestly, it couldn't be any more different. My hospital stays, they're usually a minimum of two weeks, but they can be up to six weeks, if not longer. I have a medication list that's managed by my pain management specialist. It could take up numerous shelves in a pharmacy. I take that many pills. And even the nurses struggle to get the medication timing correct, which all adds to the complexity of my overall care and hospital experience. This time, I actually typed, and I usually take a typed list, but this time I typed out the list of all my medication, but I actually also, next to each of them, wrote or typed what um, time I took them and how, uh, like time of the day and how, you know, often, etc. And I just said, oh my goodness, you were so much a frequent flyer and this just is so helpful, which was good. And it was helpful, but, it, you know, it still it still ended up a confused mess at times. But anyway, they do, I so feel for our nurses. They just do such a great job and they are so overworked and so understaffed on so many wards. Um, and I can attest to the so many wards bit and I'm going to tell you why a little bit later. 
Anyway, so as I said, I'm only allowed to be discharged home, you know, if I have a hospital at home program. So all of that happened and that was fine. And I also had, um, you know, my occupational therapist on hand and my physiotherapist, etc. But my last three hospital stays have, and literally the last three, I can't believe it, have also involved ward and room changes. Now, normally you go to hospital, you get given a room, and, and I'm a private patient, so, you know, you get generally a private room and... Um, and all is good and you stay there and you settle in and you go home and, and life's great. But literally the last three times I have been moved um, from either room within the same ward or um, a ward. So the hospital's renovating and, you know, on a rotational basis they're actually closing wards to manage the renovation and to maximise the rostering scheduling to ensure that we get that good nurse-patient ratio, which I completely understand and um and appreciate and I did get better care every time I was moved so that was interesting but it's always so unsettling and you're generally only given 30 minutes notice re your eviction as I like to put it because it's what it feels like it feels like you've made your home in this little room and all of a sudden you get an eviction notice you will be moving in 30 minutes your stuff will need to be packed up and we will help you that's yeah, <laughs> they do and they don't. Um, and, you know, we'll take you to your new room. But you suddenly feel incredibly homeless. And I am not really a stressful person, but oh my goodness, the stress levels, they just rise, no matter how calm a person you might be. It's just so unsettling. And when you're physically disabled, and I think this is why I feel even more unsettled than perhaps I would have done in the past, you can't just travel lightly. And I generally need my husband, who's my carer um, or a carer, um, to help. And, and my husband can't be at the hospital 24-7. It's, it's tiring and I give him days off because it's just all too much. We've been doing this for too long and, you know, he, he knows where I am. I know where he is. We're okay. And on top of all of that, I actually have to set up my rooms quite meticulously so that everything is within easy reach because I don't have the ability to just, you know, hop up and jump around the room at a whim because I can't guarantee my legs will work or my back will work or or that my walker hasn't been moved to a place where I can't reach it or, or whatever. So everything has to be within easy reach and I also have to be able to use my grabber. Um, my hospital room ensuite also needs a um a toilet seat razor because i just can't use the um the normal toilet seats that they have in there so all of that gets set up for me and but the problem is they can't when they move you from ward to ward they can't take that toilet seat razor because it belongs to the ward that it's on so you have to go through that whole setup process again every time you move and none of it is easy for me to do that and none of it is easy for the hospital staff either and the other thing I'd really like to know is why on earth do they always think it's a good time to do your obs after delivering the news of your imminent move or eviction? Because <laughs> you can just imagine your blood pressure is through the roof and it's like, oh, we better keep doing this. Why is your blood pressure so high? <laughs> well, you know, I really didn't need to have that news. But anyway, <laughs> never mind. The joy of hospital. This time, by some wonderful miracle, my husband happened to be with me, um, well, she was on the way to the hospital uh, every time I had to move. And I say every time because I got moved twice. 
And I was just so grateful for the blessing that he was there. Um, I honestly don't know what I would have done without him. My last room move, though, before discharge, honestly, it was so worth it. It was the one I was probably the most upset about because, you know, I had literally two days prior just been moved um, and I just, to be told again that I was going to move was just, I, I just couldn't even fathom it. But interestingly, I was having this moment of trying to pack up. My husband was there and we were trying to pack everything up and I was really quite upset. And my pain management specialist, um, who is an absolute angel, happened to walk in the room and she looked at me and said, Sam, this move, this is going to be the best ever. Believe me, you are going to want to do this move. I had no idea how right she was going to be. And the room was just like honestly, a hotel, a five-star hotel. I've never been in a room like this in this hospital. It was so large, which is fantastic when you've got wheelchairs and walkers. Um, it's just amazing. And I would have happily stayed longer in hospital um, just because of the room, because it was just just so amazing. However, the call of home is forever strong, no matter the five-star rating of the hospital. I was just going to say as well, you know, one of the other things, when I go to hospital, I carry so much luggage and equipment. It honestly looks like I'm going on holiday as opposed to going to hospital. So there's a wheelchair, a walker, stoma supplies, medication, all of it. Um, and, you know, then you add in your toiletries, your nighties, your clothes to go home in, you get the picture. It's a lot of stuff to take. And uh, we actually had to have um, my nurse come with us to the hospital this time just to help us cope with all the stuff that we needed to, to take. And that's the first time I've had to do that. So that was a new experience as well. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> I did eventually have this amazing room and it really, really was lovely with a beautiful outlook. And um, yeah, there was these lovely palm trees outside. They even had, um, you know, the shutters on the windows. It was just beautiful, the Hampton style shutters. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And um, mind you, in saying that, I'm, it was a ward where um, they generally were caring for high care and patients and, um, you know, terminal cancer patients, palliative care patients. And I kind of realised why I was put in there. But what a beautiful place to be put you know, when you do have complex um, complex issues. And I really applaud my hospital for, for doing that for patients in, in those circumstances because, you know, you do not want to be in a pokey room looking at a brick wall outside a window. Um, so, yeah, so that was really lovely. Anyway, back to my story. But <laughs> it gets a little more interesting than that. So not only did the hospital create some hospital hazards, but I created a few of my own on this particular stay. If you're a little bit squeamish, maybe fast forward this part. But um, look, I think it's worth sharing for those of us that have chronic illness and know the ups and downs of how our bodies work and what we have to deal with. And it's not always easy. So my first misadventure was I actually, and this is funny, I flooded the ensuite um, and consequently the carpet in my hospital room. I can't feel my feet, particularly the back of my feet. The front, I have some feeling in, but I didn't realise that my foot was over the shower drain. I just could not feel it. And the water had nowhere to go, but all over the bathroom wall and out the door. There was a patient carer in um, my room making my bed at the time I was showering and she saw what was happening. So she came running in the bathroom and said, Sam, oh my goodness, you're flooding the, the, the room. And I thought she just meant a little bit. 
Believe me, it was not a little bit. How embarrassing. And they had to bring in um, the extractor machine to get rid of my mini flood to soak up all the water. Um, oh, it was just so, because so, they use, they have carpet in this particular hospital and it was so soggy and I just felt like such a nuisance. But they assured me I wasn't the first uh, to flood the bathroom. And in fact, I, I'd blogged about this and um, one of my followers had written about her experience of what, what she had done um as well, which was quite similar and perhaps even a little bit more funnier than my story. But um, yeah, it happens. We do it. We don't mean to. <laughs> We're sorry. Um, my second incident, though, was, uh, while embarrassing, um, was probably mostly mortifying. So the hospital stomaners had given me a new um, appliance bag, um, you know, stoma bag system to try. And one of the problems is because I had a laparotomy, it's cut from, you know, way above my belly button right down to my pelvic bone. And um, the new stoma is actually quite close to the belly button. So to put a bag on means that it has to go over the um, over the belly button. But also I've, I had, um, you know, my, my bandages, my, my wound dressing over the wound and that meant that the bag stuck to that and you couldn't just do my normal kind of pull off because it was pulling that off as well. So we had to work out a system that would, you know, allow the, the surgery um, bandages to stay on and me still be able to manage my stomach. So so what happened was the stomachers gave me a, a two-piece um, thing where you have this base plate that sticks up and then your bag just goes on on top of that and it can be changed without you taking the base plate off. Normally I use a one piece so I don't, I'm not great or familiar with that system. But anyway, that was fine. But the one she used, um, the first one she used was fine but we, we transferred to another brand that I like, I like the brand and um, it should have been fine. However, for me, <laughs> it didn't seem to be fine and my Stoma was um, quite active at that point. So I woke, I awoke the first morning and this is in my beautiful hotel style room and I found that I'd sprung a little leak and I thought, okay, that, that's fine. It was just the way the system worked, it kind of leaked between. And that can happen, doesn't happen very often. I rarely, rarely ever get leaks with my other system. But I thought, fine, that's not a problem. So showing myself that all was well, I got to the bathroom as quickly as I could just to deal with the situation. But then I realised that I'd forgotten to get a fresh bag. So I had to go back into the into the room um, to get one. And I was still under control, so I quickly put on a fresh bag. I was so desperate to lie down because of the surgical pain. And I still have broken bones all through my body as well. So, you know, standing for any great length of time is never ideal. So I was hobbling with my walker back to my room. And my bed had all been made freshly, which was just lovely. And um, I was, just couldn't wait to collapse into it. But I looked down to find my footing so that I wasn't going to trip with the walker. And there on the floor, my heart just sunk. There was a blob of what I would like to call oops. Clearly, my bag had been leaking more than I thought. So I just can't, I don't know, I... I feel like it's my responsibility to clean things if things go wrong, unless I'm at home and then my husband helps me. But, but you know, like it's just like everybody would get that, right? You want to 
Do you want to be clean? So I swung into action and I had disinfectant wipes. I always have disinfectant wipes. Um, never travel without them. I had my grabber so I could, you know, and I hold the wipes and I've got blueies and all kinds of stuff. So I scrubbed the floor like there was no tomorrow and I placed um, a bluey over uh, the offending piece of carpet and I reluctantly buzzed the nurse. So the nurse came in. I just said, I'm so sorry. I've had a bit of a mishap. Look, the nurse, she couldn't have been more understanding, assuring me I was the best patient cleaner they'd ever had, and they'd fix it from there. And so yet again, I was reacquainted with that very noisy extractor machine that I had had in the previous ward, which basically heralds the fact that someone has had an experience with an oops situation. How embarrassing. It just, you know, it was the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> anyway. After dealing with a post-surgical infection, my specialists, as I said, were not too keen to send me home in a hurry. They could see the advantage, though, of me getting home um, because you can rest better at home. There's reduced risk of infection. I could manage my pain meds better. And, you know, I had arranged for nurses to visit. So um, they finally gave them the peace of mind to discharge me. Um, well, maybe reluctantly, a little bit of peace of mind. But anyway, coming home, it was just, and it still is bliss. Uh, you know, I can make a cuppa when I want to. I can eat when I want to or need to. I can sleep when my body decides it can't stay awake. Sleeping in a hospital is just so hard. I can shower when I want to and I can take my pain meds on time and every time ensuring that my pain levels don't spiral. We were finding it so hard in hospital to keep my pain levels under control because it, I have to take things so consistently in order to, you know, maintain that um, 6 out of 10 level, which is my base pain level all the time, but it's manageable for me. And as soon as it spirals up to that 8 or 9 out of 10, it's just awful. But the other good thing is there's no beeping at night from all those machines. There's no being woken from that deep sleep to have your blood pressure taken and the thermometer stuck down your throat. I can watch a movie or a TV show uninterrupted. Do you know those whole 10 days, I don't think I watched anything. It was just, I had no time. I had people in and out all the time. And it wasn't even friends. It was nurses and doctors and caterers and um, pathologists. <laughs> I just was poked all over. And the other thing that kept happening was... Um, Ever since I've been diagnosed with this blood condition and, um, you know, possible low-grade lymphoma, my veins are just terrible and they couldn't keep the cannulas in and they just kept, um, they either would fall out or they would cause what they called, um, oh, I can't forget the word, um, something to do with the tissue anyway. Basically, the tissue um, under my skin would just all blow up into like this mound um, it was just horrible and it was horrible for the nurses because to keep changing cannulas is just really difficult for them and none of them like to do it and I can, I can understand why and particularly when, you know, I was having all these issues. So that was a sideline of, of everything kind of going wrong so it was so nice to have all those things out. But, you know, the really nice thing is... Um, well, one, I can go outside and smell the roses and I can also, you know, choose what meals suit, suit having a stoma and all those sort of things. But above all, I can be with my husband and I can hold his hand all night as we sleep. And if I can't sleep, I can lie in bed knowing he's just beside me. His beautiful, gentle breathing and even his snoring <laughs> is comforting. I count every moment together as a gift. He just, yeah, he's my world. Life is short. 
it's precious and it's fragile while being incredibly resilient and strong. My home is my safe place, you all know that. And I'm convinced because I love it and I love my husband. It's the place that helps me heal in a way that I never can do in hospital. You know, I've had um, a few hiccups with a virus since I've been home. I've lost my voice. I've had terrible mouth ulcers. I've had sleepless nights from pain. And I've had a few issues with my stoma healing on one side. Um, yeah, and so, you know, we've, we've had some wound separation. We've had some... Um, other issues as well which uh, were a little bit scary for a moment but each of these issues have been so much easier to manage at home and I think that they've healed quicker than they would have done had I been in hospital and I feel like I've turned the corner now in terms of my recovery I feel like I'm I'm on the homeward stretch which is really nice so I'm heading in the right direction and I do have a little bit of a long road ahead of me but I can feel that beautiful sense of healing harmony just by being home so that's where I'm up to. I'm back to writing. I'm obviously back to podcasting and um, hope to do that a little bit more regularly, but um, I will definitely be blogging much more regularly. So please um, come over and find me at My Medical Musings uh, because that's where I'm blogging. So www.mymedmusings.com and you'll find um, all my up-to-date blogs there too and you can follow me along. I do post on Instagram as well and um, as I said, I'll, I'll be doing a, a little bit more podcasting. And um, yeah, there's some exciting things coming up this year. I have um, a, a friend who is actually going to do a book launch for me um, with a function in August. So I'll tell you more about that as more details come to hand and there'll be some podcasts related to that and interviews and things as well. Um, but yeah, very exciting. So uh, that's going to be lovely and um, yeah, really, really, really appreciative of, of her doing that for me. And um, yeah, lots, lots, uh, lots of little bits and pieces like that. There's other, um, also perhaps some uh, life-changing things happening too for my husband and I. We're uh, sort of considering whether it's time for us to downsize even further than we are have done uh, so far given um, given my husband's ageing and given um, my health is deteriorating. So, uh, and we feel like we've only kind of got, you know, we don't want to leave it too long because we might get to the point where we literally physically can't can't do it at all I mean I can't physically do it but I can still mentally and, and have some energy enough to coordinate things and I'm, I'm not sure um, how that would be later and my husband certainly um, feels that he needs to do it sooner rather than later so yeah so there are some things that might change as well from from that perspective and I will certainly be chatting about uh, the consequences of that from a chronic illness perspective and from a life perspective and um and, and the, the, yeah, the good things and, and the challenges that come uh, with balancing having a chronic illness and still trying to live the best life possible and having purpose and, and passion and, and holding on to hope uh, no matter um, how hopeless things might appear at times. I believe, as you know, there is always hope and um, out of situations that can appear really quite dire, some really beautiful things can happen and um, I think I might just leave you on that note to remember that that if that's where you're sitting at the moment if it's tough if you're in a lot of pain if you've been given a diagnosis that you're trying to get your head around if 
you know, you've got surgery coming up. You've perhaps you've got loved ones who are not well as well, and you're trying to manage that as well as manage your own situation. Think about the fact that out of dire situations, there can be some amazing things that come from it that you were never expecting. And look for those things. Expect those things and don't lose hope. And above all, just remember to enjoy the really simple things that will just give you that little moment of, because <sighs> that's really important when things are, are pressuring down on you. Um, so yeah, and you know, if you want to find a community that gives you that's, um, that sense of a really lovely, beautiful, warm hug, I do have Medical Musings with Friends on Facebook, which is a private group, and you're more than welcome to join. And you know, you will find, honestly, a community of the most amazing people from around the world. Um, so there's someone there on every time zone to give you any support you need, even if it's just like, a comment where you just want to say, I'm drowning. Can somebody please just, you know, help me to um, feel a little bit better for a moment? Or you just want to tell your story or you just want to read other people's stories and, and be quiet in the background. It, you're welcome in any way, shape or form. So that's Medical Musings with Friends and you can find us on Facebook. So if you just search us there and um, as I said, you will receive the warmest of welcomes. So thank you everybody for listening to my ramblings today or my musings. I feel like they're more like ramblings. Um, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit better today, which is why I've been able to ramble. And um, I'm sure I'll need to have a good rest this afternoon. So take care, everyone. And I really look forward to talking to you again as soon as I possibly can. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can subscribe to this podcast or you can leave a review. I would really appreciate your support. If you would like to have more of my medical musings in your world on a regular basis, I also have a blog which you can find at www.mymedmusings.com. I post there at least weekly so there's lots for you to read and be involved with. If you would really like to be a part of a nurturing community, Medical Musings with Friends is a private support group on Facebook, offering the hand of friendship, support, true care and understanding to anyone living with chronic illness. We would love to welcome you into our community. Just search Medical Musings with Friends on Facebook, click join and you will receive the warmest of welcomes. I also have a book, My Medical Musings, a story of love, laughter, faith and hope living with a rare disease. It's available now through Amazon and my publisher, Imagine We Publishers. I would love for you to check it out. There's something in the My Medical Musings world for everyone, something different to suit your needs. I hope you do find something that resonates with you and helps you feel you are not alone because you're not. Remember, chronic illness is a part of your life, not all of your life. Take care.